The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. And today, we are talking about something that uh, a lot of times people feel, a lot of times people are going through, but they don't say it. And so I'm just going to say it, and then we're going to dive in. And this is, message is help. I thought following Jesus would be different. Help, I thought this would be a lot different. Help, I thought this would be easier. Help, I thought that everything would be so smooth. I thought everything would be so perfect. And it's not. Anybody ever feel like that? Come on. Should we just dismiss now? Who am I talking to? Has anybody ever felt like that? I thought this Jesus thing was supposed to be easier. This is supposed to be better. I got people back here with two hands up. I was about to say, come on up and share your story, give the testimony, but I don't want everybody to go two hands up. We're going to be in trouble. At least one hand up, though. It can be hard. It's not always easy following Jesus. Do you ever wonder, like, I must be doing it wrong? Like, I just got to be doing it wrong. Something about this whole faith thing, I have got to be screwing this up because, boy, it sure looks easy for Pastor Art. He even answers his text with, praise God, amen, hallelujah. Has anybody ever texted Pastor Art? Even his texts come back. Praise God. Blessed be the Lord. Hallelujah. It's a good day. I'm like, what? I was just saying uh, that we need to get the trash out today or something. I'm like, praise God. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Some guys make it look so easy. It's just so smooth. It's just so good. I mean, I got up this morning and my hair is just easy. I didn't have to spend any of the time that you spent on yours. I just make it look easy. I went out in the rain. I came back in. It still looks still looks the same. It's just so smooth. <laughs> Inside secret, I do use bull shampoo and conditioner. I do. I still do. Do you know why? He who's faithful with little will be given much. That's a biblical principle. And I just am continually faithful. I just continue like, Lord, I give it to you. I just shampoo, conditioner, shampoo, conditioner. And someday, praise God. But we are in a, in a, we are in a faith that in the Christian faith that sometimes is sold in a different package than what it really is to live out. I know growing up, I heard phrases all the time like, some of you are going to know this, some of you, some of you won't, but great phrases like, get under the spout where the blessing comes out. Have you ever heard that before? Right? When you're serving God, and you are under the spout where the blessing comes out. I've had a lot of things come out of my life that didn't feel like the blessing was coming out. It has been in trouble. It's getting just like, what just landed on me? Like, I got up today, and I thought, man, I was serving God. I praised Jesus. I did my devotional. I got out, and, man, something landed on me that was not good. And I was like, oh, this is horrible. Reminds me of when I was, one of my first jobs. I was 17, and I was selling cars. And I was out there, and I was 160 pounds. I had gotten shot when I was 16, lost a bunch of weight in the hospitals and stuff. And I went out there. I was super skinny. I had no clothes. And... Uh, I had clothes when I sold the cars. <laughs> Probably told that story too fast. <laughs> we were very poor. I used to live on the porch at my house, and so we didn't have a lot. And so I needed clothes to sell cars in. So I borrowed my brother's clothes. My brother is, like, strong and big and all these things. Has hair. He's just amazing. So 
that's my brother. So I borrowed his clothes, which were way too big for me. But I go in to sell cars, and I'm super skinny, and I got acne, and I got bangs that come to the side. I used to have those. And I had this huge shirt on, button-up, and then all this extra shirt, you know, and then huge pants and belts cinching them tight and stuff like that. And I'm there to sell cars. They used to call me Opie, like on that show, uh, I think Andy Griffith or something. Like, Opie, that's what they called me at the car lot. Hey, here comes Opie. He's going to sell some cars. And I was looking so good for the circumstances. And I remember I walked out on the porch because what you had to do is there's a ledge like this and you had to stand here and you had to watch the lot. And as soon as a car got on the lot, the first person to step off of the ledge got the up. That's what they called it. You get to work with that person. Right? Do they do that? Did they do that at yours? Or did you guys just do it more nicely, John? You sold cars. So ours wasn't. Ours was cutthroat. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, like, standing on the ledge, and I'm watching and watching. And the guys at this car lot, like, these were guys out of prison, like, everything, like, legit. Like, these guys were guys telling me about how you got out of jail. I don't know if they were just trying to intimidate me, but these are grizzled guys. And they don't care about me because it's money. And so we're standing here, and you watch. And then as soon as the car comes on, you step off, and you're like, I got it. I got it. That's mine. So that's what you're trying to do. And then you find out there's guys hiding in the car lot behind cars, salesmen. And so when you go to step off, they stand up, and they're already out there, and they're like, waving at you. I got them. I'm out here. I'll be here all day. No sales. But I remember one time I was talking, and I stepped out on the ledge. And just as I stepped out, my beautiful, oversized shirt buttoned to the top, a bird flies over and literally just dropped everything on my shoulder. <laughs> and I'm just standing there out there on the ledge, and I'm like, can I get a break? Like, I'm out here trying to provide. I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm trying to do the right thing. It's just good. Anybody ever feel like that with your faith? Like, I'm just trying to do the right thing, Lord. Like, I, I did all the right stuff, and I, I'm ready to go, and I'm trying to fit this thing that you're asking me to do, and I'm trying to have strength. I'm trying to have faith. I'm trying to do all these things. I'm stepping out. And just Forget it. I'm going home. I don't want to do it anymore. Sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes we go through that, and we say, man, I thought this would be a lot different. So here's some things that we can go through uh, that at different times we will wonder uh, if we've missed the mark, okay? And I'm going to get in that list after I read this verse. But Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not to be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap in return. That's pretty easy. If I sow this, I reap this, right? I sow kindness and goodness, I'm going to reap that, right? I sow generosity, I'm going to reap it back. Has anybody ever been generous and then not have it come back? Or have people take advantage of you? It's okay. Raise your hand. Say the Bible's not true. Go ahead. Do it. No. I know that's not you're saying. But that's been your experience, right? It's been mine too sometimes. Like I'm being generous and the person just takes advantage of me. Like I'm trying to be kind and people are not. So here's some of those things. I sow love. Why don't I get it back? Ever thought about that? I try to love people and nobody loves me. I sow money. Why don't I get it back? Pastor said if I dropped $1,000 in the offering, I was going to be blessed. I dropped $1,000 in the offering, and I'm broke. Maybe I'm blessed to be broke. <laughs> all I have is Jesus, and that's all I need. Maybe you ever felt like that? I'm doing this stuff, right? I sow serving, but nobody ever serves me back. I just, they take advantage of me. I just work, work, work. I sow mercy. I don't get it back. People judge me. I do one wrong thing, and everybody's on top of me. And I can't seem to get a break. Nobody cares about me that way. I sow grace. I don't get it back. 
I give people room to have mistakes, to not be perfect, and everybody's always watching me. Anybody ever feel like any of these things? Okay, this is not the faith that we were sold. Right? I mean, we're supposed to come to Jesus, and then everything gets beautiful. The Prince of Peace, life becomes peaceful. Life becomes wonderful. The, the money starts to come in. We become blessed, and we become prosperous. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to bless you, not to curse you prosper you right we get all these amazing things sign me up get me in the fast lane to that that feels great and sounds good but oftentimes we dive into that and that's our heart that's what we want and we heard it on the message and we saw it on youtube and somebody told us about it and we're so excited about it but then we get into actually living out our christian walk and it's like what what happened why is, it, why is this not working like that? It's like I started running, and there's supposed to be a runner's high. <laughs> I am smoking it totally wrong, because I don't get no high. I get nothing out of it. All I do is just get exhausted and sweaty, and I get sore, and my calves hurt, and my feet hurt, and I'm just, what runner's high? I don't know what's going on. Somebody sold me something and got me out there, and it ain't working. Sometimes our faith can feel like that. So we're going to dive in and talk about why is that the case. So let's look at Jesus and talk about what sowing really looks like and it's kind of what Jesus talks about, about the faith, not just what preachers talk about that want you to come to church and want you to give money and want you to serve and want you to do all the things, uh, but actually just Jesus. John 16, 33. I've told you these things. He's been talking to him about some stuff going on in the world and things that are going to happen. And he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have the assumption would be that we're not finding it somewhere else, right? So why would we not be finding peace somewhere else? Because something's going on that's causing us to struggle, something going on that's hard. And so he says, in me you to find peace. In the world you will have, drum roll, door number one, blessing under the spout where the blessing comes out, plans to prosper you, everything's going to be amazing, door number one, or door number two. If you want it, in the world you will have tribulation. Any takers for door number two, tribulation. Let's go get it, tribulation. I just need me some good, hard. There are some people that just like tough. There's some people that like that. Is Alan, Kiana, is Alan working in the kids' service? He's just gone today. Okay, so he's, so Alan likes hard things. We were on Spartan Racing, and Alan's like, oh, this is awesome. Like, literally. Like, that's not even exaggeration, is it? He's like, throws his arms up and everything. Like, halfway through, we're like six miles in. We've gone through like 40 obstacles. We're all dying. And he's like, this is awesome. We should do this more. And he's, he's literally bobbing like this, standing there. I'm like, what is wrong with you, Alan? He got the run. He got both of our runners high. He was, he had... Stop it. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Yes, Lord. I'll shut up. Back to the word. Tribulation. Some people like hard. Some people don't. For some people, it's like, man, just Lord, give it to me easy. I just don't want, I don't want the struggle. And he says, but take courage. I've overcome the world. Things are going to be hard. There's going to be tribulation, but take courage. We win in the end. Great. What about right now? What about right now is hard. 
What about right now I'm struggling to pay my bills? What about right now my marriage is rocky? What about right now this addiction just won't seem to let go? What about right now I have anxiety or loneliness? Or what about right now the world seems chaotic? What about right now I feel lonely and alone and I feel isolated? Or what about right now when I just, I've been working hard and there's nobody sees it, there's no promotion, there's nothing happening? What about right now when I'm grieving? I've lost someone that I love, that I care about, and I don't know what to do. There's tribulation, there's things going on. And he says, well, I've overcome the world later. Now, here's the word tribulation. The usage of it, the meaning of it is persecution, affliction, distress, tribulation. Well, that sounds like a lot of outward stuff, right? Everything out there is bad, right? Schools are bad, government's bad, the world's bad, everybody's bad, okay? There can be some things out there that are bad, okay? But what it's really talking about isn't outside, because listen to the rest of it. Properly, it's pressure, this is the actual uh, Greek word that we're looking at out of this passage that it uses. It says, properly, it's pressure. It's what constricts or rubs together, used of a narrow place that hems someone in. Tribulation, check it out, especially internal pressure. Especially internal pressure that causes someone to feel confined and restricted and without options. It carries the challenge of coping with the internal pressure of tribulation especially when feeling that there's no way of escape to be hemmed in. It's not talking just about things going on outside. It's talking about things going inside. As long as we're living in this world, there'll be things going on inside of us that are difficult, that are challenging, mentally challenging, emotionally challenging, spiritually challenging, all the internally challenging things which is totally different than just externally challenging. Now, why would we feel so much internal tribulation, so much internal pressure living in this world? Well, one reason is, is that we don't belong here. The Bible tells us that we're foreigners, that we're travelers, that this is temporary, that we're heading to a different home, a different land. So if we try to find complete and perfect comfort and be at peace and everything's great for me here, that's not something that naturally is going to happen. Because we're not made for here. We're made for a different place. We're made for heaven. We're made for where we're going. This is the traveling along the way. This is the place that we're at right now. That's hard to wrap our head around sometimes and hard to have any focus on because this is what we are doing right now. This is it. We're going on a trip and we're in a car and guess what? It's hard to Think about being at the beach. It's hard to think about being at SeaWorld or to be at Disney World or to be at wherever you're going. It's hard to think about that because right now we're just crammed in this car and it's been nine hours. But we're not made for the trip in the car. We're made for where we're going. And sometimes as believers, we get so locked in on here. What's God doing to make my life better here? What's he doing to make my situation better here? Forgetting that all of this is so temporary. The Bible says it's even, we're just like grass, we're just gone. And nobody thinks about that until most of the time until they're older. And then all of a sudden, like, where did it go? I just was back in Portland, I spent some time with my dad. And my mom passed away several years ago, and my dad is, you know, uh, getting older, and, and he's just talking to me, and we're driving around, my dad's like, I'll just tell you what, he's like, it's here and then it's gone. It's here and then it's gone. And he wasn't saying it in a depressed way, but just in a very real way, like this, it's going to be over. 
He's like, I'm on the downside of this thing. He's like, and it'll be gone. Thank God that this isn't all, all that he has. Thank God this isn't all that I have. Thank God that this isn't as hard as I'm going to work to have a home, to provide for my family, to try to be a better person, to try to be healthier, to try to have a better marriage, to try to do all the things that I got to try to do, make a name for myself and do this and to do that and to, to prove that I have value and to be significant in this world and all the things that we got to do here. Praise God that when it's all said and done, this isn't all that there was. That's what it means to be a believer. Is that we're not just believing in this life. It's, it's bigger than that. But the internal tribulation comes because if we get too focused on this is it, then there's a struggle to turn this into heaven, and this isn't heaven. I want all this to feel like heaven. It's not. It's not. If I'm driving with my kids in the car and we're trying to get to Disneyland and they're trying to turn the car into Disneyland, it just makes it more hell. <laughs> Because it isn't Disneyland, it's a car. But if we know it's the car, and we drive in the car, and we treat it like the car, and like, hey, this is not perfect comfort, this is not the fun, this isn't the slide, no, you can't climb over to my steering wheel. I'm trying to drive. We treat it like a car, the ride can be more enjoyable, because we understand what it is, and we're okay with what it is. I was talking with somebody this week, and there's a, there's a phrase, it's called, it's called that we will accept what we expect. Anybody ever heard that before? And basically, here's the concept. If I said, hey, you're going to go on, I'm going to send you away somewhere. Amazing place, I'm going to send you away. You're like, oh, thank you. And I give you the, the tickets, the travel tickets, and you get there, and you get dropped off, and there's some bushes and a pathway, and you walk through the pathway, you get to the other side, and you're so excited. And all there's just a little shack there, a little cot there, and it's like a little porta potty thing. I was like, man, he said I was going to send me somewhere awesome. How many of you would feel a little disappointed in what you found, right? Oh, really? That cheapskate. If you came through the same and you saw this huge resort, slide, pool, water, fire dancers, I mean the whole thing. You'd be like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm here. Okay? That's without any context or expectation. But if you, what you needed and your expectation was, man, I really need to go away from everything. I just need some time alone. I just need a quiet place. I just need to get away from everything and just be a place to catch my breath, a place to be and to think. And you went through those and you popped in and it was this huge resort. You'd be like, oh, this is nice, but I don't want to be here. Because it's not what you're expecting. It's not what you needed right? It's not where you want to go, okay? And so sometimes in this life, we're expecting this to be our heaven, this to be everything. We end up with a lot of disappointment because that's not what it's made for. But if we understand what it is, it's part of the journey. It's part of how God develops us, makes us more like him, builds our character, teaches us how to love each other, how to forgive. We're not going to have to learn how to forgive in heaven. There's not sin there. We're not going to have to learn how to do a lot of these. This is where we learn what it is to be like God's children. We learn to carry each other's burdens. There's not burdens in heaven. We learn to have empathy and compassion for somebody who's going through a loss. There's not empathy and compassion for a loss in heaven. There's not loss. There's no tears. And so this is a training ground. This is a place where we learn and we grow and we become more like him. 
And so the idea of the walk here is that it is going to have some struggle and some trouble. One of the things that we need to do in order to be able to actually walk this out, to be able to actually see God move and stuff in our life without the disappointment is to actually learn how to sow. We talked about sowing and reaping, right? Well, I sowed this, but I didn't get that. I sowed this, but I didn't get... Is sowing. So I want to need one volunteer, and I'll use Kyle because you're right here and you're easy to come up. Kyle, I want you to say... If I, was gonna, if I was going to have a beautiful uh, lily like this, that's what these are. This is a lily basket. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. It's amazing. There was more on there until I rolled it in my car. Um, I'll just go on this side. I roll things in the car, and then Kira looks at me and says, from the back seat, she says, careful, Dad. <laughs> like, I'm being careful. Careful, Dad. So if I wanted to grow that, right, okay, and I have some more dirt here. This is actually gardening soil that I stole from Heidi um, out of the garage. Okay, so I have some wonderful garden soil, and I gave you some seeds. So I'll take that from you, okay? But I want to have a beautiful flower like this, and I have those seeds. So this is what I want you to do. I just want you to sow the seeds, okay? Like, if you want it to grow, okay, how would you sow the seeds? Well, you're talented. That's it? Are you done? No. Well, okay, you would water it as well, but you've sown the seed? Yeah, yeah. You're happy with that? Yes. You feel good about what you've done there? Done. Okay, let's give Kyle a hand. That was a great job of sowing the seed. Wow, you can go. That was fabulous. Okay. What did he have to do there to sow that? Throw Throw some. He had to get dirty. Yep. What else did he have to do? He had to dig in a little bit, right? Put a little effort in. What else did he have to do? So he had to have the seed, okay? He took the seed, sowed it, water. What else do you have to do? Wait. Okay, that's the growth part. But just, just to sow it, what do you have to do? You say play guitar? <laughs> Bobby. Okay. Do you know, we could stay here all day, and I can tell you right now, nobody's going to even notice one of the most important things that he did. Covered it. I'm going to give you a couple more shots just to see, because I know as soon as I said, nobody's going to know if somebody in here, a few of you personalities in here are like, give me a chance. <laughs> what was it? Plant it, stuck it in the dirt. Yep. He was careful with it. Walk. Wait, what? Okay, walked away from it. Walked away from it. Okay. How well am I going to grow another one of these things if I take the seed? It's not really there. But it looked good, didn't it? It looked like I got it. Okay, here's another one. I brought extras because I knew I wasn't that gifted. Here's another one. If I'm going to sow this thing, How am I going to grow it like this? You think it's going to grow like this? I'm like, come over for dinner. Like, hey, you want to come over? Yeah, sure, I'll come over. I show up with my thing. What are you doing? I'm just waiting for my seed to grow. Nurture. I'm, I'm sitting here, right? I got to have to let this thing go, right? If I wanted to just lay out in the grass, I'll go. Like, that's just part, I, you have to. 
You can't just lay out in the grass all day with your arms stretched out over the flower bed and your fingers holding on to a seed. You're trying to grow a plant. You're just like, wife comes out. Are you coming to bed tonight? No, I'm waiting. <laughs> for what? For my, for my seed to grow. You've been out here for like two days. I'm not bringing you dinner anymore out on the grass. But it's going to grow. You have to actually just let go. It doesn't seem like it's a part of planting. But it is an absolutely essential part of planting if you want something to grow. You have to actually let go. So when we talk about sowing and reaping, we're going to look at Jesus and how he sowed and reaped. John 12, 23 to 24. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. He's saying, in order for something to grow, it has to be released. It has to be gone. It has to be done. Here's the next verse, John 19.30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, this is him on the cross. John 12, he's prophetically talking about giving his life. I have to fall to the ground and die in order for what I'm here for to multiply and become fruitful. That's how I have to sow this. I have to let my life go in order for this to grow. Now here he is in John 19.30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he yielded up his spirit, which means he let go. He let go of it. Now, going to the cross, the whole purpose was that he wanted to see us set free from our sin, redeemed from our sin, reconciled to himself, back into relationship, and he gets all the way, healing people, feeding people, teaching people, showing people, all the things that require the nurturing and the building and the just getting it ready and opening the soil and putting in the seed, all the stuff. But before it could really actually take place, he had to then let go and trust that the Father would work it out and literally Take his hands off and let his life go. Sometimes there's things in our life that we are working so hard at trying to make fruitful. We're trying to fix all these things or do all these things. And we've prayed about it, prayed about it, prayed about it, talked about it. And the one thing we haven't done is let go. And let God do what he does. Trust. Believe. I've sowed kindness. I've sowed mercy. I've sown grace. I've done this, and I keep waiting for it to come back. I'm talking to the person, seeing what's happening, but I haven't just let go. Just letting go. Hey, has that person never called you back? Or done? No. I just let go. Has your job promoted you yet? I let go. I'm not thinking about it. 
I'm just enjoying the job I have. I'm just being thankful for the job I have and doing what God's called me to do. And I've just let go. Well, aren't you worried it's not going to work? Don't you need to do more? I've sown it. And now I'm waiting for God to do it. Sowing equals letting go and letting God. We've all heard that phrase. Is turning it over, not turning it over. What I mean is it's turning it over, not turning it over. Right? Same words, totally different meaning. I'm always thinking about it. I'm always stressing about it. I'm always worrying about it. I'm always, I'm turning it over. No, no, it's just turning it over. It's not mulling it over. It's turning it over. It's yours. I gave it to you. Man, I want this person that I know to come to know Jesus. And I keep on talking to him. I keep on, I keep on, just pray. Give it to God. Trust him. All these things, but they're so important. I got to do more. We can do all we can do, but if we don't let go, we haven't sown it. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And this is just Jesus again pointing to the fact that in order to gain, you have to actually lose, let go. Take your hands off, just let it go. I'm willing, Lord, to lay down this part of my life and let it go and trust you to bring me what you want to have in my life. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8. Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. Who makes it grow? God does. God does. We've got to get off and sometimes just out of the way so that God can do his growing. Just so God can just do it. I was struggling so hard to be a better person. Do you know what? Maybe struggle a little less to be a better person. Maybe try a little less. You know, even if you're working out at a gym, you can overwork out. I've heard. I don't know personally, but I've heard. You can do it too much, and your body won't respond. It won't recuperate. It won't build because you won't stop and let it rebuild itself and strengthen itself. You can just wear yourself out. You can wear others out. You can wear life out. Trying to get to where you think you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to do. And yet, if we can do our part and let go and let God be there, let God do what he does. The Bible says it's him that works in us both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. He literally works in us to do these things. Pastor Art talked about it last week that God brings power his power that works in us. So we don't have to do all the work. How does the seed grow? I don't know. I planted it, but I didn't really do it. It's like something was in the seed. There was a power in there that God put in there that the seed started to grow when I left it alone. Well, the same thing happens in us. God has put things in us that sometimes we, we let go and he begins to, he begins to water. And we go, I don't, I'm not even sure how I changed. I'm not sure. I, I think different. I, I feel different. I'm I'm doing different things. I'm not even sure what I did, but I'm feeling different. I'm feeling more peace. I'm feeling like a different person. I'm, I'm better with my kids or my spouse. I just I have less anger. Like, I'm not sure how I even got there, but I've just been trusting God and, and waiting on God, and it's been changing. 
Because he's working in us. Only God, it says, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. He's the one with the power. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. What we put in, we do get out. In God's time, as that seed's supposed to grow, and fretting over it and worrying about it doesn't make it grow faster. Because different seeds are made to grow at different rates and produce different things. And when we sow them, God's like, okay, I know when that one's coming up. And you go, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. It's coming in his timing. It's coming as it's made to come. And there's nothing, you can't, you can't water it to make it go, grow faster. You can't dig it back up and look at it to, to make it grow faster. It's made to grow at a certain space. The thing in your life that God's working on, that God is changing, that God's bringing about, God is at work in it, and it's going to take the time that it's going to take. The healing. Why can't I heal faster? I had this abuse when I was a kid, and I still struggle with it. I've done everything I can to make it heal faster. First, I read two books a year, and then I read 10 books a year, and then I read 40 books a year. And I've, I've, been all, I've done all these things to make it heal faster, and it's not healing. But God is at work bringing healing and it's happening. And he's taking you through the process. And it's coming. And sometimes we have to just trust and wait. Hebrews eleven thirteen to 16. All these people were still living by faith. And I'll tell you the first 12 verses. I didn't put them up here because we just have so many verses. But this is an interesting passage. Hebrews 11. It goes through all these different people of the Bible. And all the promises that God gave them. And then talks about how most of them didn't even see those things fulfilled before they died. Like all these promises. And then they died and they, they hadn't received them yet. Seems like God's not very faithful to his word. He gave people promises and they died and they hadn't received them. What's going on? Well, it talks about, it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Okay, which would tell you what? That they weren't there yet. It's not just that the promise wasn't to them yet, but they weren't to the promise yet. They were moving towards. Sometimes we, we, we put a limit on things because in our mind, and this is hard because we're people, we have flesh, we have blood, we th- really have a hard time grasping the idea that this is not the greater reality. This is the most temporary part of our existence. And if something doesn't happen now, it didn't happen. And if something doesn't happen in the next 10 years, it didn't happen. If something doesn't happen before I leave this earth, it didn't happen. But these guys were looking forward to what God was doing because this is eternal. This is forever. That's what it means as a believer is that God is always at work, that this is only part of our journey. But people who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. They're looking forward. They know that earth is not their only place to live. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Their mind understood this is temporary, but that's eternal, and we're heading somewhere. That's real. Like, it's actually real. Heaven is a real thing. Like, we're going there. Like, we're not going to carpool. We're not all going at the same time. 
There's no Kool-Aid to drink. We're not going to try to catch the same airship. But we're all going there together. It's a real thing. And so when you look at it, you say, wow, they're, they're looking at that. And it says, therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Sometimes this life feels like struggle because it is. And we may feel at times shortchanged. I thought it would be so much greater. And it will be. It will be. As God unfolds the whole plan and purpose of our life here and our life in heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. I don't have a slide for it. But it says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. Paul says, if, if we only have hope in Christ for this physical life, then of all of the people in the world, we should be the ones that are the most pitied. Because we're hoping for something, we're believing for something so awesome, so great, this relationship with God, this beautiful place of peace, like all these things and this incredible Thing. And if our only hope is for in this life, we should be the most pitied because it's not all going to happen in this life. And we've been sold a bill of goods. But if we understand that it's not just for this life, then we're the most blessed. Because there's more beyond that. John 14, 1 through 3, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me as well. In my Father's house are many rooms. Some translations say many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you into my presence so that you also may be where I am. Again, Jesus talking about more than just here. Galatians 6, 7 through 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, he'll reap in return. But here's that next verse. The one who sows to please the flesh, that's this. From the flesh will reap destruction, but the one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap what? Perfect, amazing, awesome life here. It doesn't say that. It says we'll reap eternal life. To be able to live in the company and the blessing of God for eternity, which is so much greater than here. And so the question is, that I want to end on and pray, is will you trust God enough with whatever it is that you've been dealing with? Whatever it is you've been trying to sow and get something good to come out of. Trust him enough with it to just put it in his hands and let go. And trust that either now in this short and temporary life or then in our much longer, much greater life that he will be faithful to his word, faithful to his promise and give you above and beyond what you sowed because when it falls to the ground and is sown, the Bible says it multiplies, becomes greater. Let's bow our heads. If there's something in your mind, I just want you to just right now just take some time with the Lord and just say, Lord, what is it that I need to just 
I just need to sow. I've been wanting something beautiful to come out of this relationship or out of this effort I've put in or out of this work or out of this person that I've been in relationship with and been talking to. Whatever it might be, Lord, I've been this healing that I need in my heart. Lord, there's this thing that I've been just working on and working on and working on. Lord, I just want to put it in your hands. I just want to sow it. I want to let go and just trust and believe you to be the one that causes it to increase and to become something beautiful. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, for each person here, Lord, that as they just have that moment with you, Lord, that you'll help them, Father, to truly release it. Lord, to truly turn it over, not just turn it over. Father, that you will cause them to have a freedom and a peace and a trust, Lord, in your faithfulness. And we thank you, God, that it will be blessed or that you will come through or that you will produce fruit from it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, the devotional, if we can put that back up there one more time, the QR code, the devotional for this week is actually Imagine Heaven. It's not something we talk about all the time, but it is such a big part of, it is what we believe Christ died. He didn't just die to get rid of our sins, but so that we can have an eternal place with God. And so it's a really cool devotional this time. It's actually got stories in there of people that have been pronounced dead, come back. They talk a little bit about what they saw in heaven and that type of thing. Um, and there's some verses on, on all of that. So it's going to be just a fun one to go through. So scan that, jump on, and you know, keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith, not just now, but forever. Amen. the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.